When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Jeff has checked in on the stream yard. You can watch, play along, or just say Schmidt needs to go uh, to Adult Acne Center. Uh, do so. It's uh, Facebook and ESPN Lincoln Twitter. And uh, also the Hale Varsity Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. You can find me, Chris Schmidt, on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence is where you can uh, follow Elijah. So we are going to spend time with Mike Babcock and Mike Schuhart today. Get Babbers take on Wisconsin, this coaching search. And yeah, uh, probably those two things. We'll dive into some uh, some optimism from Babbers on Saturday. How many folks do you know have punted their seats? I mean, there's some diehards I know that are like, yeah, I'm good. And it might be because of the product on the field, but I think there's a strong candidate named uh, Mother Nature with, uh, man, it's uh, butt cold outside. Well, if uh, if you're sitting at home and wondering what to do with your tickets, my DMs are open on Twitter. Hit me up. I'll always take... I won't pay for them. I'll, at Herbal I'll Essence. Free tickets. Oh, dude, you're going to be that guy? <laughs> I will bail you out. You can eat the 60 bucks or 80 bucks or whatever it is. Are you going to be like Junior, my kid, and say, well, if it's not in the club, if it's not in the club section, I don't know that I'm going to go. Oh, that's that's ridiculous. No, oh, I- he's, 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 actually, he's just a puke. I mean, it's just so bad where the the first major sporting event we took him to for his birthday way too long ago uh we got him sweet seats for oklahoma city mm-hmm. back when you know durant and westbrook were always hurt at the same time so he uh, he got to experience that i got a modello that would have cost me 14.99 at the concession stand at least they had a fridge for me so that was really cool and he's got some buddies who have uh friend you know whose parents have skyboxes so he's dirtied that road trip but now he's been working security at the champions club so see box seats not my cup of tea i want to be out with the uh, with the right you want to be in the you want to be in the student section oh i'm not i'm just not a white collar kind of guy you know that's not me i I want to be with the normal people experiencing actually like what the the crowd is actually like you you don't get that you feel a little disconnected when you're in the box seats and no no get me as as close to the action as possible with the the regular people the type of people that you know They'll pass you a fireball shooter at halftime. Those kind of people. <laughs> Highly illegal. He's just kidding. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's just it. I've turned into a wuss. Like, I, I don't know the last guy. I think it was Idaho State a thousand years ago. But, no, that that's, you know, what's the atmosphere going to be like? 
What's the morale going to be like? We'll hear from Bill Bush here in a little bit. Also, uh, Whip is back, and that's good to see. Uh, let's talk crustiness scale on 1 to 10. How crusty do you think Whip was today? Yeah, was he at, because I think normal for him is probably 7. Was he normal? Was he above? Was he below? He's just been really low-key. Like, there is not a lot of jovial body language from one Mark Whipple. I do say this. I think Casey Thompson is getting better. Mickey said that. But I think Casey Thompson's to the point where he wants to give it a go. You get that Saturday, all of a sudden you are interested in what happens. So that's that's always big. From a coaching search standpoint, it'll be really good to hear Trev Alberts tonight on the network. And listen, they've got Trev, they've got Mickey in that order. And what do you what do you glean from Trev tonight? Uh, Twenty four hours from now, we'll dissect it. Does he give a, an update to the fan base on where things are at? And let's go back to Matt Rule for a minute. Really good stuff from Mitch Sherman yesterday. The the three-horse race, and I'm sure it's larger than that. But you've got Rule, you've got Mickey, and I hope it's Leopold. Uh, we do have this, that you have Chris Kleiman going to sit down uh, at the end of this season for an extension for Kansas State. So I don't know if that, that was going to happen anyway, uh, according to some of the journalists down in Kansas. Uh, they are poised for a, a Big 12 championship. They'll have to take on TCU and hold the lead this time if, if things play out. they still got a battle with Kansas to wrap up as well. But, no, I, I really like Mickey. I really like Leopold. And quite honestly, I think Leopold's pulled in front, for me, of, of Rule. And I've been pretty pro-Rule because of what he's done. And I look at it this, though. If, if you're Trev, let's just play this game. If you're Trev and you've got a guy that is, what's the number? Like shy of 70, shy of 60 million that he's promised. So whenever he was hired by the Carolina Panthers, it was a seven-year deal for $60 million. Right mm-hmm. now he's got $45 So million. Eight, $8.5 million a year. $8.5 million a year. Uh, and which, he's got to find work by a certain point Point mm-hmm. per Mitch yesterday, so that's mitigated at some point. And, and once the season wraps up, it's four more years of Rule getting his buyout money. Okay, okay. So the, the, if you Rule, do you want the Nebraska job? Do you take the Nebraska job if you don't get made whole based on what you're owed right now with Carolina? And if you're Trev, do you pay $8.5 a, a year for Matt Rule? I mean, it shouldn't be an economic discussion point with all the the, the money that Nebraska's set to make with the Big Ten rights deal. But Nebraska's also, and to Trev's credit, he is very fiscally responsible. I'm going to use that term. And Nebraska's been been paying people to leave for 20 years. You know what, what he had, $150 million in buyouts between ADs and coaches and staffs? So that, that is a reality. You've got a lot of wells to go to, uh, booster-wise. Of course, those boosters want some input. You also now have the well of Big Ten media rights as well? Sure. No, it, he, both. So is, 
is is eight and a half million and the length of the contract, could that be a sticking point with Rule if he's making a decision? Well, my, my question is this. I think I've heard enough with discussions and, and reading, reading in between the lines to think Trev Alberts has at least had a conversation with Matt Rule and, and comfortably I, I will put Matt Rule in that, that top three for Trev. I, I think Trev has done his homework. I think Trev has reached out. I think Trev has probably said, you know what, Matt, we'd love to have you around. What's your number? And my question now is, what is the sticking point? Is this something that's done and dusted, and now you know we're just waiting on a right time for an announcement? Is this something where Matt Rule got to the meeting and said, thanks, but no thanks, I'm going to go try out TV for a year? I don't know what the sticking point is probably at this length. moment in time. Probably length of contract. Is it contract length? There's a lot of different things. I do believe, though, that there is some sort of sticking point with Matt Rule that's keeping this from getting across the line. And Personally, my read is I don't think this is Matt Rule's put pen to paper and now we're just waiting on announcement. I don't think we're at that point right no. now. I think there is some sort There's of sticking mulling point over going on potentially. Yes. So do you move back and have you had enough outreach with the search firm to Leopold's agent? Have you had outreach to Kleinman's agent? And I'm just throwing names out there, not to be reckless. I'm saying you've got a list. Dion's have- agent. You have a, no. You have other people, and I love, I love Dion, but Dion's if he's smart, he goes to Auburn and he kills it there, right? Or he goes to Georgia Tech where he played his NFL ball in Atlanta. You you have got built-in cred around the football world, but you really have royalty in in the South where you dominated. You were one of the greatest players in college football. Why move to the Midwest? People. I love this state. I love living here. I've been here most of my life, but it's, it's, I mean, look at Brian Kelly, for God's sake. He wanted to get out of Notre Dame and, and go down to LSU because it was just the, the expectations were the expectation, but it was just hard to win North. Ohio State's a unicorn. Michigan's a unicorn. We all know that slogan, Nebraska. Honestly, it's not for everybody. Now give me the T-shirt. Give me the T-shirt right now. But, you know, and, and there's still a, a big-time push for Mickey. There's still hesitancy from an experience standpoint because of how important this hire is. And I don't know. We'll talk to Babbers here just knowing Mickey like he does and covering Mickey. Uh, you got to read into the personality. And you got to read into the personality of the hire, the traits, all those things that, that are pretty important. Let's hear a, a, a thought or two from Mark Whipple and uh, the topic of, of Casey Thompson. Uh, that makes Saturday a lot more fun if you're a Nebraska fan. What's the status on Casey? And is he getting more reps, I believe, is where, where Mark uh, started this question off. Yeah, a lot more. You know, he's more important than I am. And, uh, you know, so, um, yeah, he's practiced some. And then uh, I guess they said, I don't know, I get, you know, unfortunately Chubb is out, and, you know, and, and uh, you know, Logan's had some reps, has had reps, and so we'll go from there. Can you get a healthy Logan if that's who you turn to? Is he going to be uh, be right on Saturday? And then you have uh, Jared Sinek uh, out of Hastings. And I know we talked about him and the line change. But I think that kid can can throw the football. Good athlete, uh, can run, very tough, a tough Nebraskan. And, and may he see some time, a little bit more, uh, on Sinek here from, uh, from Whipple. Well, you know, in, in spring, the last five series, he had a couple in the spring game and a couple scrimmages, he scored touchdowns. 
And uh, when I when I uh, asked the quarterbacks who who wanted to go live in the scrimmage, he was the first one that said I do. So that to me um, is important. And even Frosty said, you know, I had many, we've never gone live. I said, well, I'd like to go live. We'll see what they got. That's a real thing. You know, we didn't, because of numbers, we didn't bring him back in the camp. And, and he's just gotten better and better. I asked the defensive coaches down there. I'll watch the tape some, not, not as much. My son watches it more. I ask how he's doing. And, you know, they all said, hey, Jared's really been the one that has really given the best look and done a really good job. And those other two guys have done well. So um, I just made a decision and talked with Mickey about it. And so I said, uh, I think Thursday to him, you know, I said in front of the quarterback, what's the most people you played in front of? And he goes, spring game. <laughs> so I said, well, you'll beat that this week at Michigan. So uh, he's done a really good job. Good kid, works hard, does a really good job in the class. Just, you know, does all the things right. And uh, um, as I said, you, you, uh, you know, you, you put it on tape. And, and he's put it on tape when, when, when he's gotten the opportunity. So, so that's why he's three down. Well, it's huge, and for forever, when we talk about Nebraska quarterbacks and, and how they've groom, been groomed and grown, be it the old throwback freshman team or you're a redshirt freshman and you're not playing, but guess what? You're on scout team. So back in the day, Nebraska's defense, when they were ranked really high, going up against the Eric Crouches of the world, right, or the Jamal Lords of the world, or pick some some quarterbacks that – under fire get better because they're trying to to give the defense a look uh of the opponent and a lot of times taylor martinez i mean he was the, the scout team as a receiver but you you have at least guys getting reps getting live action in game hopefully live work where there's contact and it's against a top defense and that's how they'll get better is just by by doing and that's why maybe you've seen Sinek make a jump over some of these other guys that have been in the program longer. And, uh, and there's been some good impressions made. There's some confidence. And, you know, if you got to turn to him because uh, Smothers ain't ready uh, from an injury standpoint or Casey can't feel his, his pinky, then uh, you know what? Get the old Hastings kid ready to go. And full credit to him because this is what this coaching staff has preached is next man up. You know what? You got to get a practice like you play because you never know when your number is going to be called. And this is like the perfect example of that is Jarrett Sinek coming into this year. I don't think expected to ever see the field. I mean, he had he a didn't good, prepare that he had, way, he though. Had a, he had a good spring game performance. Uh, as Mark Whipple said, he wasn't even on the initial roster uh, for fall camp. Um, but then gets the call up. They're impressed with what he does. He's impressive as a scout team quarterback, prepared and practiced as if he was going to be a starter. He was going to be involved in the game plan. Then you know what? Whenever adversity struck, uh, Chubba Purdy goes down, and now, well, you're, you're the number two quarterback, and you get a chance against Michigan. It's all about what this coaching staff has been preaching, and I'm sure Jarrett Sinek is, is fine and doing well in practice, but I think this is also a little bit of something of, you know what, look at this guy. This guy is practicing the way we want from our scout teamers, and whenever his number is called, we're going to give him a chance because we love how he practices. So I don't want to discredit you know who he is as a quarterback, but there's got to be that element to it as well of just coaching staff making an example saying, see how this guy practices. He's giving us the best looks for our starting defense, and because of that work, we're going to give an opportunity on Saturday. Brennan Jimes in at this point. Let's see what the masked bandit masker can do. So uh, that's it's a name we haven't heard all that much this year. It's kind of a guy you'd expected to be the guy behind Chuba and Logan Smothers. I just how don't. How long he's been around? I don't know. 
their development schedule, their initial first impression to new man Whipple. It's, it's been turned on its ear with the transition. You've got guys that came in under Super Mario that now Whipple have. And what's he think of those guys? How much time are they putting into the backups and development? They may love bet next man up mentality. What's the workload been like throughout the season for the backup quarterbacks behind Casey Thompson? As, as much as he's gotten the hell beat out of him, you, you pray that guys have been ready. And, uh, you know, your top two options behind have been dinged, it uh, turns out, between Smothers and Pretty. Mike Babcock's with us next. The Tale Varsity were presented by Currency. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe. Promo code GBR. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Wednesday edition, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. We welcome in the Hall of Famer, the historian, author, Mike Babcock, with us from Hale Varsity at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, it's uh, stocking hat weather, my friend. And uh, true or false, you have a Grateful Dead stocking hat. And will you rock it on Saturday? No, I don't have a Grateful Dead uh, stocking hat. I do have a Chicago Bears uh, stocking hat that I have already pulled out. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, I do appreciate this opportunity to announce that officially that I'm not a candidate for the head coaching job. (laughs) Mike, you've seen a lot of ball, brother, and you've seen a lot of change the last 20 years. How do you rank and rate this coaching search cycle with the others? Um, this is probably a little bit different because we got we have an interim coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, beyond that, I think that they've all been kind of like, you know, is this happening at Nebraska? You know, because you can remember when it was stable consistency, you know, that it, there was stability there. There was uh, consistent success, regular uh, appearance in the in the or national championship relevance on a regular basis. Now, I know the game has changed uh, so much has changed over that time. But still, this is probably uh, in the in the age of. Uh, social media and the internet this is probably much more dramatic and different than anything that we've gone through before well mike how do you rank just the quietness of this coaching search because i think back the first one i truly remember is the bo pelini cycle where you knew there's bo pelini and turner gill were were the top two candidates and uh, i think bo pelini kind of differentiated himself through that process so it, it wasn't necessarily all that much of a surprise when bo pelini was announced and then you look at Mike Riley, where that was completely out of left field. I was at a dentist appointment on, I think, like a Tuesday morning. And you went, who? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, the dentist appointment. And I go, 
who did Nebraska just hire? And I had to go, like look into things and like sell myself like, oh, okay, well, maybe with more resources at Nebraska, he can do better than he ever did at Oregon State. But that was like a, a big who won. And then with the Scott Frost cycle, it was, there was just about one candidate that would have made everybody happy, and that was Scott Frost. So not necessarily a huge surprise whenever that one was announced either. So what's your take on just the quietness of this one and the potential for Trev to, to go out of left field? Well, um, it's quiet from Trevor's standpoint, but it's certainly not quiet. From the, <laughs> is it ever quiet from, from the media standpoint? I mean, it's incredible how many coaches have come and gone here. You know, they've been into Lincoln and have talked about the job and didn't. And then we uh, found out somebody else was uh, really the lead candidate. And now we're down to the, I guess we're to Matt Rule. And I don't know who else is figures in there because it seemed like everybody else is still coaching, right? That's the feel. A a coaching job, but the rest of them do. So that figures into it too, right? I mean... It it, it does. What do you think a rule? um, You know, uh, it, it was impressive what he did at Temple and what he did at Baylor in terms of making a quick turnaround. Um, one of the things that that I'm impressed with uh, with, with Rule was um, when he went to Baylor, he hired a couple of high school coaches, I think, to be assistant coaches. You probably talked about this. One of whom is now the head coach at Texas Tech. His D coordinator, yeah. Yeah, um, which says that he understood the dynamic there that you needed to have connections in Texas to recruit um, because I've seen people on Twitter say, well, he's not a good recruiter. Well, he obviously made good decisions um, from that standpoint there. Um, the, the one question I have is that he, he didn't stay at, as head coach at Temple very long, what, uh, four seasons, three seasons at Baylor, and then moved on, or was it four seasons at Baylor? It was just three at Baylor, but he jumped from group of five. In the, He's really been the only AAC coach to make the jump to power five and, and do well. And find immediate success. And, and, and do, Well, I mean, he was one and 11 first year at Baylor, but he went seven and six I'm, and then I'm 11 like and three. First job. You find a lot of guys that make the jump, struggle, go to another job. You look and at Frost, you look at Herman, you look at Fuentes. I mean, guys have gone from the AAC in some really good spots where you go, wow. And they had some big and impressive wins, you know, uh, in either a bowl game or a non-conference. I guess you can throw Hypel in that list now with, with Matt Rule of guys that found success. Sure, early on. yeah, but he, he long-time assistant in the Power Five. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's a winner, Mike. You nailed the fact that the guy knows what he doesn't know, and that was, that was presented in Texas, and he can – reach out and, and get advice and, and make a good hire. And, and that that will be key if, if he is Nebraska's target and things end up moving that direction. Yeah. Um, and 1-11, first season at Baylor, and then uh, division champ in his third, right? And 2-10, and his first season at, at uh, Temple, and then back-to-back 10-win seasons his last two seasons there. So he, he – he built programs quickly, or he, he developed those programs in a, in a hurry. But again, he didn't stay anywhere very long, um, and and that would be, you know, maybe that's because of where he went from 
Temple to Baylor and then had the opportunity to go to the NFL and and uh, didn't stay there very long either, but uh, for a different reason. But And I think that that's, even though he didn't have success in the NFL, that's probably a positive, right, coming back to college. Because, yeah. you're, uh, you're a college players. guy versus an NFL guy, yeah. I mean, look, yeah, if, you, I mean, if you look back at the last 10 college football head coaches that went off and took a head job in the NFL, only three of them had records above 500 by the time they left that program or are still with them in, in terms of Pete Carroll. And the other, the third one of there is Bill Bryant, who I believe was, uh, excuse me, Bill O'Brien, who was two games above 500 or something like that. So the, the, the translation's not there. More often than not, college coaches do fail in the NFL. Yeah, and and but for the players that you bring in when you're you're back at college, look at it and say, well, this guy did coach in the NFL. He knows what it takes, you know, and that's my goal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe I'm going to go play for him. Uh, kind of a thing. So that's an advantage there. But, I, you know, there's – I would hope that if, if he were the guy, I would hope that he would retain Nicky Joseph on staff. You know, I just I, – I, Mike, I'm just interested to see where – we'll never know, but where is Mickey on the list? Yeah. Yeah, we, we'll never know. You're right. And, and, you know, I see people again saying, well, he doesn't have uh, experience as a head coach – at a at, at a major college at, at the at the at the top level, um, and that's important somehow. But I, I don't. I'm not the person making the hire, so I don't know if that's if that's a critical negative uh, on his resume or not. Because I think he has a good resume if you look at all the things that he's done. I think he's. This is the worst case scenario uh, of who you're who you're replacing. Not that. People weren't done with Scott, but the fact that, all right, he was supposed to be the the air quote chosen one. You come in, it's it's a makeshift hail mary staff anyway because you were forced to make changes a year ago, and now you got to take over and and pump up a team that, oh man, our coach just got popped and now we got all of this season left and listen, you're not going to get to go to a bowl game and that's too bad, but what he has done and then you factor in the injury situation. And if we're just real honest, either from a, from an evaluation or a development standpoint, something's been missing the last several years with the football program. And you put all of that together. It's, it's, it's really impressive that Mickey for the most part has had this team ready to go about every Saturday. They haven't won. But to me, I've seen enough of a window to go from, hey, thanks for taking one for the program, Mick, to the guy needs to be considered. And, and that's Trev's tough decision here. I've just seen enough from Mickey to, to be wowed and swayed. Or, I, you know, I've, I think Rule's a good option. I really like Leipold. And, and I'll, I'll echo that again where – you know, just talking with folks, the the dynamic of being at a basketball school is very real. And, and Leipold Babbers has shown the ability to, to, to want to move on to tough challenges. I mean, look at look at what he built in Buffalo to, to voluntarily go to Kansas just because it was a power five jump. Well, you know, and, and look, look what he accomplished at Wisconsin Whitewater. I mean, his, his, where he went to school and um, yeah, he, he, he did a he did a move that, and I know him a little better than mm-hmm. 
than most. Um, I was surprised he'd left Whitewater, to be honest with you. But he took on the challenge at Buffalo. He did a good job there. He took on the challenge at Kansas. We're seeing results there. Um, the question is, does he want to move from there into this situation, which he has some familiarity with because he was involved in the program at one point when Callan was coach. Um, and, and that's the thing about uh, Mickey that I, another thing that's been brought up is you need to go outside the program. You need to get somebody that isn't, that hasn't been directly involved in the program to start from a different place. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad, the, the fact that he's been part of the program. My sense is it's a good thing because if you haven't been part of the program, you have no idea what the pressure is here. You have no idea. I mean, you look at it and look at what Nebraska has done over the last several seasons. You'd think, well, there were probably not going to be a whole lot of pressure there because people just want to get back to whatever. Uh, that's not the case. Once you uh, once you get a taste of postseason again, it's going to jump from thanking God that you got to a bowl game to, dude, when are you going to win the division? When's the conference championship drought end? When's the New Year's Day six happening? And it just ramped up even more difficult potentially with no divisions and Hollywood coming to town with UCLA and USC. Babbers, about 30 seconds, bud. What's coming up with Hale Varsity? Well, the basketball issue of the magazine should be out here pretty quick now because it went to the printer on um, And then we're going to start planning for the December issue, which uh, probably is going to entail a, a identification of a new head coach for the for the football team. So um, a lot of work ahead. Uh, you never know one day to the next. It's always something. That's what I've that's what I've learned in my time covering Nebraska. It's always something. You know, there's never a day off. It's always something. Keeps us on our toes. Babbers, stay warm, buddy. I want to see that Bears stock and have Saturday. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. There he is. Mike Babcock with us. I think the leaves are frozen. We didn't get into the leaf battle for a third straight week. Mike Shuhart, I doubt he's on the tee box, but you never know. Hale Varsity continues. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Coming up, we'll spend time with Brad Edwards, college football insider, long-timer with ESPN. His thoughts on Nebraska. And uh, the playoff push, we'll talk with Evan Bland as well. Mike Shuhart with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, I think our last, was it last week we had a 70-degree day, or was that two weeks ago? It's all turning into a blur right before Thanksgiving. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, it's a little chilly out, but that's okay. It's going to warm up next week. That'll that'll be the way to do it. That'll be the way to do it. Shuey, give me your top three candidates. Top three, uh, Urban Meyer, Matt Rule, and the Munkin, Todd Munkin. Tell me and sell me on Todd. I love the cadets. I love the Army. Jeff. I go with Todd all the time. I screw that Man, up. Run, run the ball, baby. I know, baby, but. Run the ball. So, you, you, so should we? There is this option, love. We all appreciate it, but do you think that could rock in the Big Ten? Man, they, you look at all the teams in the Big Ten. What do they do really well? 
run the ball. Mm-hmm. They run the ball. You know, Ohio State, you have to kind of eliminate them out of it mm-hmm. because they're, they have a star-studded quarterback every time, but mm-hmm. they run the ball really well. You know, the teams that – look at Michigan. Their quarterback is a manager, but then they've got a huge offensive line. They know what they do, and they run the ball, and they run it really well, and they play great defense, you know. So you look at Illinois, where they come from. What's he? What's Billima done there? Mm-hmm. Big offensive line. They run the ball. You know, Minnesota, same. So it's like it's Big Ten football. So why has it not worked for Nebraska? They got a big old offensive line. Well, they underdeveloped in doing it. They don't really commit to running the ball. They still want to be Ohio State. They think they're Ohio State. <laughs> they've, been, they've been trying to be Ohio State for the last 10 years without the coaching, without the development, and without the Ohio State players. Mm-hmm. But that's who they want to be. So it's like, you know, the teams that – and they don't, they don't have the same talent level to do it and development and commitment to it. You know, so you got to find somebody that that's what they do, that's what they're committed to, that's their identity. And what's Nebraska's identity? What's it been in the last 10 years? Nobody can tell me. Their, their identity has been we're going to fire somebody after four or five years and find a new coach. Pretty much. I mean, they all come in hoping that they're going to be Ohio State and run it, but it's like it doesn't work. Why has Illinois been so successful from a team that's not been very good? Because one guy came in, this is what we're going to do, this is how we do it, and he's good at it, and he knows it. And they're not great, but they're way better than we are mm-hmm. in a short period of time. Well, they have an identity. They're an identity that is, you know, we're going to develop talent. We might not get the best talent, but we're going to develop it, and we're going to recruit guys that fit our identity. And, Mike, whenever you listed off your three candidates, I think you have – candidates on both ends of that spectrum where you look at Monken he's a guy that he might know might not go out recruit the likes of Michigan and Ohio State but to your point he's got a system he's got an identity and he's going to recruit guys to that identity and make it work and then on the other end of the spectrum you got Urban Meyer who's made it work but he's always made it work with top end talent where he can develop that top end talent into something special but what makes him great is he gets that top end talent to wherever he's coaching and Mike whenever you look at those two ends of the spectrum which do you prefer? Do you think Nebraska needs a coach that can go get top-end talent and bring it here and then you know, worry about developing after you get the top-end talent here? Do you want a coach that is going to be able to identify some diamond in the rough types and develop them into something special like the likes of Monken or, or Bielema or what Wisconsin and Iowa has been doing for years? I think that's what you have to do. I just don't, you're not in an area where you can just get five-star talent coming in all over the place. You just don't, you don't have a recruiting base to that. It's too hard anymore to get kids to, to go to one place, you know, unless you are, you know, Ohio State's in a hotbed. I mean, they have a lot of talent around them. You know, Nebraska's not quite that way. So you got got to find a guy that has a system, has an identity, can identify some kids, and more importantly, can develop them. Can develop them into what it is that you do and what you want to do and stay committed to that. Shuey, you know a lot about development, bud. You, uh, you've done it on the golf course a lot of years. And from a coach's eye, tell me about that projection part. Because I love what Elias, Elijah's been saying about finding somebody that is either under-recruited or not recruited. But the, the fit part, right? The, the mentality first and then the ability. So when it comes to, to projecting... 
that art that is needed uh, as a coach to to pick somebody out, really work with them, and then watch them succeed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you look at some of our really successful players. Um, I'm going back to our center, who was an All-American. I mean, he wasn't highly recruited. I mean, he was undersized, kind of, but he was a 6'2", 265 guy, you know, and it's like, did he fit totally the mold? No, probably not, especially for your high-profile um, institutions. Talking Aaron, Aaron Taylor. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, what they do, man? They watched him. I mean, he had a lot of heart. He had obviously something, and they brought him in. They developed him into what he was. I mean, it's like there, there's a lot of players out there like that. They don't have to fit a certain mold. Mm-hmm. You know, I think some of that is we bring in these huge linemen that are this and that, and sometimes they get their stars because just what their, their measurables are. And it's like there's a lot of times you can't measure certain things that make players great, you know. That's kind of the art is that you got to get out on the – got to get out. you got to watch tape. you got to watch guys. And you got to kind of see some intangibles that you see them do uh, and have the ability to do that fit what it is that, that you want to do. You know, and I think he was one. I mean, we had an identity. We ran the ball. We ran things that linemen needed to do, and he fit the mold of being able to do that. You know, he wasn't your prototypical, but he turned out to be pretty good. All-American at two spots. Mike Shuhart with his Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, about 60 seconds. Uh, Thanksgiving Day, uh, Wilderness Ridge. You don't want to cook? No worries. You guys got the hookup. Yeah, we do. Huge Thanksgiving Day feast. And if you don't walk out of there overstuffed, <laughs> uh, there's something wrong because it's fantastic. They got everything and anything you can think of. Um, and all you got to do is sit down and eat and then leave. You've got the turkey and, and the wild turkey. Exactly. <laughs> got both turkeys. Yeah, all sorts of turkey, turkey, turkey. I love it. <laughs> Shuey, we will do this again, partner, and uh, we'll uh, we'll check in with you if, if it works next week uh, before Turkey Day, bud. You got it. All right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate Thanks. you. There he is. Love hearing Shuey talk development because think about uh, grabbing the sticks and playing golf. Oh, both our games. We need plenty of development. Oh, we're awful. Neither there, of us got is, God-given ability. There, is, there sure. is vodka. Uh, so <laughs> enough aim and juice that you'll either not care or it'll get better. But no, I mean, it's he's so true where find somebody that that has this system that they are super proud of and believe in. And then good things can happen. We'll wind down this first hour. Brad Edwards, Evan Bland coming up. Numbers to get in at four, six, six, three, seven, seven, six. Hey, Varsity continues presented by Currency. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hail Varsity Radio, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And uh, we're presented by Currency for all your equipment, financing needs, go Currency. Get to the Single Barrel Friday Roadshow, myself, Elijah Herbal, 
on site four to six and then seven to nine also saturday morning a little red beer to get you going or a whiskey we're not going to judge if you're having a whiskey at 8 a.m. I mean, it's going to be cold. Keeps you warm. That fireball is a good, and, a good way and to go. And 200 uh, and uh, 50 plus whiskeys to choose from with your friends at the Single Barrel inside the Graduate, uh, just kind of on the corner there of the Haymarket. So we invite you down four to six Friday, Hail Varsity Roadshow Friday, and uh, again Saturday seven to nine. Real Red Reaction follows. Uh, after Nebraska, Wisconsin from the single barrel. So we are excited to be on the road. And then we are at the Marriott, their rooftop. It's enclosed, but it's the top floor tailgate party at the Marriott in Iowa City. We are there uh, on Black Friday, noon to two. And then uh, Real Red Reaction follows from Iowa City. So uh, when I say we, I am kidnapping Iowa Russ. And my uh, dearest friend from college, we just call him Nitro. He's a big Van Halen guy. Uh, and, uh, and Elijah will be back here, probably crushing leftovers and and just shaking your head at that Iowa defense. And watching the World Cup. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah you have one eye wondering, yes. Animal, man. Our, our bro here in Lincoln's got a party going on. I got friends that are going to Qatar. I'm jealous. I'm like, really? Yes. What's that trip cost? More economical than you'd think. There's eight of them going, and they're all like living in the same little fan hut thing that that Qatar is constructed. What's the what's the air airfare for that thing? Uh, it was just 15? it was just over one thousand. It was less than fifteen. Better than you'd expect for round. Uh, round trip, yeah. Better than you'd expect, right? I guess there's not a sudden rush to get over to Qatar. <laughs> no, not not in any sense. No, <laughs> we have seats available. Come on with it. Yeah, All so right. I, I looked into making that trip and decided that was a bad idea. Um, not only with it being football season, but the fact that you'd go to Qatar and who knows if you ever getting out of there. That's over. Where's is it? Kind of sandwiched in between. Uh, it's kind of over by the United Arab Emirates. Okay, I, I have family over there actually. And uh, yeah, it, it's right on the side of. Let me pull up the map here. Do it because it's great radio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is in the Persian Gulf. Okay. And the Persian Gulf, uh, sandwiched between the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia. Nice. All right. Well, there you go. Reminder about uh, your friends at Red Zone Tickets. They buy, they sell tickets, and uh, you can get involved. RedZoneTickets.com. Selling fun since 2001. Husker football and volleyball, NFL action, Creighton basketball, concerts, CWS, and more. And uh, they are Omaha proud for you, uh, a local source of options when it comes to those events you want to see. An A-plus better business bureau rating, 100% guarantee on all orders, and you'll get authentic tickets, experiences you'll never forget. Get that item crossed off your bucket list. Create memories that last a lifetime with Red Zone Tickets today. RedZoneTickets.com. You want to... Grab a, a bunch of seats for Nebraska-Wisconsin. See that 10-game losing streak come to an end? RedZoneTickets.com. It may be too cold for you. You want to sell? RedZoneTickets.com. Brad Edwards, college football insider. Thoughts on the playoff? Nebraska, Matt Rule, on the way with our two in Hale Varsity. Your child has brain cancer. Can you imagine hearing those words about your own child? Nearly 5,000 families each year hear this life-changing diagnosis and live daily with the fear it brings. When a child is diagnosed with brain cancer, 
their lives are forever changed. The treatments used to treat children are toxic and cause damage to their developing bodies that can affect them for the rest of their lives. 95% of children who survive brain cancer will develop a significant health condition by the age of 45 as a direct result of the toxic treatments. This includes diagnosis of another cancer later in life or other countless deadly health problems. Our kids are special, and we need to treat them that way. By making a donation to the Team Jack Foundation, you fund research that leads to safer, more effective treatments, giving kids hope. You can be the difference. You can fund the cure. Join us and donate today by visiting teamjackfoundation.org. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. We say hi to college football insider, longtime man with ESPN at ESPN Radio, Brad Edwards at J. Brad Edwards on Twitter is where you find him. Brad, how are we doing this week? Doing all right. It's, uh, it's a silly season, isn't it? My, uh, brother, it is absolutely silly season because it's smoke and fire and chasing names and rumors and innuendo and the rumor mill swirling. And you've watched college football for a long time, and, and you, like us, have seen uh, this about every four or five years in Lincoln with who's it going to be? Obviously, you had the Frost and the Pallini. Uh, hires and then out of the left field you had Bill Callahan and Mike Riley so uh, (laughs) help us out with your expert college eye Uh, let's talk uh, a list here uh, Brad and give me your three or four names you like for Lincoln you know Chris I don't I don't really get into that Okay. Because I, I've seen I've seen so many instances where someone who the fans weren't excited about turned out to be a great really coach. Good. Yeah. And you know there are other times. I mean Scott Frost is the the latest example where everyone was thrilled and it seemed like the perfect fit. Um, seemed like a, a coach who had proven himself to whatever extent you felt was necessary to get a job like that. And it just didn't come close to working out. And so when you've seen it both ways, it's, it's really difficult uh, just because there's so many variables, mm-hmm. you know, to just sit there and say, hey, this person would do what? Because in a lot of cases, it's not even as simple as just who is the coach. But, mm-hmm. you know, who's on his staff? Mm-hmm. Um, who's in the administration at that time who is making decisions as far as what the coach is able to accomplish that he wants to accomplish? Because – Every new coach who comes in doesn't get everything that he wants. And so there are all sorts of factors like that that, that go into whether a coach succeeds. And, um, and, and that's why it's so difficult to speculate. And I really kind of stopped playing that matchmaking in my mind game <laughs> um, many years ago. I mean, I, I mean, just a great example. I remember 1999 when it was announced that LSU had hired Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, what an awful fit. Like, just, you know, you, you look at, at Saban's career and where he had been, 
and he's never coached in the South. He's not going to be able to recruit in Louisiana. And, well, that was brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, it's just so, so, so many times that uh, logic doesn't apply, or at least, you know, just what we would think would make a great, great head coach um, or, or the, the best fit doesn't apply. And, and so um, sometimes as much as we don't want to do it, we just kind of got to – got to wait and see because you know the day after the press conference you're not going to know anymore i want to give you some names and you've covered them um matt rule's been the popular name uh, this week uh we'll see if if there's something that moves forward between nebraska and rule but you saw him at baylor you also saw him at temple yeah and, and i mean there's a lot to like there as far as uh you know taking two programs that were down in the dumps and uh, I never thought I would see Nebraska and I'm sure nobody listening ever thought they would see Nebraska in the spot they are now where you would have to say they're in the dumps. I mean, maybe not to the degree that Temple and Baylor were, um, but man, they've got a long way to go. And, uh, and he's shown that he can be the guy to, to do that, to, to pull a, pull a program out of the gutter and uh, and get it not only back to respect respectability but back to uh, you know winning at a, at a pretty impressive level now um, I guess the question for Nebraska is are you are you looking for your next coach to be someone who's gonna you know get you to the big Ten championship game and maybe have a chance to make the college football playoff or are you just looking for someone to get you back where Frank Solich was, you know, and, and win nine games every year. And, um, and then maybe after that, you, you, you take it to, to somebody else who can get you to that, that next step. Uh, I don't know. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know, um, you know, where you go with this. But it seems to me that at this stage, if you're Nebraska, you just got to go after someone who you feel like has a really good chance of, of making you relevant again you know, getting a number to the left of your name um, mm-hmm. a couple years from now where, uh, you know, week in and week out, whenever you play, the highlights are always on Sports Center because you're ranked. Um, I, I think that is the next step that they need to take and they need to focus on somebody who can accomplish that. Um, and, I mean, based on his track record, I don't, I don't know why Matt Rule wouldn't be someone who would check those boxes. Well, yeah, well, what Matt Rule does so well, Brad, is he finds diamonds in the rough and he develops them into something special, turns them into an All-American. And not only has that been you know, the standard at Nebraska through the years, that's been how you win in the Big Ten through the years. You take these guys that are a little bit under-recruited, you find them, you turn them into something, put three years into them and turn them into to Big Ten guys. And I guess that's where my next question for you is, is with Nebraska, it seems like there's two ways you can go. You can either go find recruiters, guys with a lot of hype behind them. That's kind of the Scott Frost molder. You can go find these talent developers like what Illinois has done with Brett Bielema. You, you find a guy who has done that Big Ten mold. It's going to take a diamond or turn a guy in the rough and turn him into a diamond and turn him into an NFL draft pick. And if you're sitting in the AD chair, which side of that are you airing on? Because Nebraska with the fans, with the NIL, you can recruit there if you bring a recruiter in, but it hasn't worked for them over the past couple cycles. Yeah, look, I, I know when Frost came in, the idea was, like, hey, this guy has an innovative offensive scheme and he's going to score a lot of points, and, and it didn't work out. But I, I still feel like in the Big Ten West, where there's, there's not a whole lot separating the best team from the worst team as far as talent goes. 
um, you know, no, no one in that division is, is consistently recruiting at a top 20 level. Uh, maybe every now and then they'll have a, a class ranked in the top 25, but no one year in and year out is pulling top 20 classes. So you, you don't have that far to go um, in, in any given year uh, as far as making up the talent gap. If, if you're not the most talented team in the division, um, then you're usually close enough that you can out-scheme people. Like, and and I'll, I'll take you all the way back to when Joe Tiller was at Purdue. Good work. The thing that I remember about Joe Tiller that I thought made him so great is he came into the Big Ten, and what he did is he immediately, um, because, of, because of his offense and the consistency that they could execute, they almost always beat the teams that were on their talent level. Now, they would get into, you know, when they'd run into the Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, they, they usually struggled. Uh, occasionally, you know, beat some of those teams. But, but what you could count on them to do was to, you know, beat the, the Indianas and the Minnesotas. And, uh, you know, at that point, even Wisconsin uh, was kind of on that Purdue level. And, and, I mean, I guess in a way they kind of seem like they are again, uh, at least this season. But, but that's, um, I think that's what you're looking for because you are in a division where there's, there's no reason that, that every team in that division can't go into next season <laughs> believing that they have a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty bleak where Northwestern is at the moment. But, but still, like, that, that, it, it's just because you're, you're not dealing with having a knockoff in Ohio State. Uh, you're not even dealing with having to knock off a Penn State, someone at that level. And, and so I, I think it's a unique situation in that the, the division just kind of lends itself um, to being able to make a lot of progress in a hurry. If you just got someone who can, who can go out there and consistently beat teams that have a, a very similar talent level. Brad, going to go to the playoff here. You got Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU in there. Do you think uh, do you do you think Tennessee has enough in them to stay in front of LSU? And I know there's head to head. You've got a potential rematch here with Tennessee and Georgia. Uh, make, excuse me. Uh, you have a, you have Georgia and 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 uh, LSU uh, potentially for the SEC championship. How do you see this this fifth and sixth spot in the playoff right now? And do you buy TCU strength of schedule? Do you do you like what they've done? Yeah, I, I'm just I'm not a, a believer in uh, TCU being one of the the four best teams, you know. But then again, there you know there has to be um, a fourth team after you start eliminating you know, teams from the, the Big Ten and the SEC. I mean, we're assuming it's not going to be two SEC, two Big Ten. Okay, somebody has to be the fourth. And, I mean, at this point, if TCU can, you know, win three more games, um, I, they deserve to be there as much as anybody. Um, so so I, that, that's the big question. Can TCU run the table? And, and whether you think they're one of the four best or not, they're going to be in if, if they're undefeated. I think that the committee has made that pretty clear. Um, through uh, not only you know where they are right now, but also looking at uh, what they've done in, in recent seasons. So, to me, it is okay after the SEC champ and and well, I you know I say after the SEC champ, the SEC champ actually is a big part of this because if there's 
you know, uh, an upset in the championship game like there was last year when Alabama knocked off Georgia, now all of a sudden you're pretty much guaranteed two SEC teams, which um, which could change the the dynamic a little bit of this race. Um, let's just say, okay, Georgia's in, the Ohio State-Michigan winner is in. I, I think that much seems to be pretty clear right now, barring a, a shocking loss that one of those teams would take um, somewhere where nobody sees it coming. And, and so then, you know, it's just a question of who, who's left. And I, I mean, to me, one of the intriguing things is going to be, like, if you've got a couple of one-loss teams going head-to-head in the ACC championship game. What what type of uh, effort are people going to make to say, hey, you know what? Due to the strength of that win in the championship game, this team now being a conference champion needs to vault over whomever else. I, I don't know if we're going to see any of that, um, but but I'm honestly I'm not expecting TCU to win out. I'm not expecting USC to win out, and so I think it really could get interesting. I, I, I believe Tennessee deserves to be in. I mean, to me, they're one of the four best teams. There, there's no shame in going to Athens and not being all that competitive against Georgia, especially when it's hyped as a big game and Georgia's up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at a team that has beaten Alabama, they have won in blowout fashion at LSU. To me, and, and not only that, but look at the other games. I mean, Tennessee, outside of a, you know a, an early season kind of stumble at Pitt where they ended up going to overtime. Um, they've been they've been pretty thorough in their domination. Even the, the game against Florida, which came down to the very last play, Tennessee was in control that whole game, and they just end, ended up having to survive a Hail Mary at the very end. But um, I, I, I like Tennessee. I think they are one of the, the top four teams, and, uh, and I, I hope they'll get in because, because to me that's what it's about is getting the best teams out there, not the, the four best conference champs. Brad, about 60 seconds. Who do you think wins between Tennessee and Ohio State if it comes to that? I mean, Ohio State, I think, is the better team. But, you know, given what we've seen out of them a couple of times this year, I don't, I don't think it's a given mm-hmm. that they win that game. Um, I mean, the, you know, certain, certainly uh, weather was a you know, part of the equation against Northwestern. But it, but it certainly you know left you scratching your head a little bit, and, and even you know, look back now on that season opener against Notre Dame, and I realize the season opener is is feels like a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they they've had a couple performances where you're like, yeah, you know what? I, I'm not sure that they can light up the scoreboard on everybody. Um, and so uh, I would pick Ohio State because you're you're talking about a neutral field situation where weather shouldn't be a factor. Um, but I certainly think Tennessee can score with them. And, um, and it, you know, it's, it's a type of offense that, yeah, it, it's a lot better if you've got three weeks to prepare for it, uh, <laughs> but it can still be tricky. Brad, is there any scenario in your mind where Michigan and Ohio State can both make it into the college football playoff? I, I, I see it being difficult just because neither one of them has a, a great schedule strength, mm-hmm. you know, because Notre Dame didn't turn out to be an awesome team. I mean, they'll probably end up being ranked by the committee, but um, – I, you know, if Ohio State were to lose that game at home, it would hard be hard for me to see them overcoming that, especially um, with the Northwestern game also on there. Michigan, I just I think the overall non-conference schedule and even the conference schedule is just too weak, especially if like the, the one big game you have on your schedule, you don't win it. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you have to hang your hat on as far as a win for Michigan? And I, I don't know that there's enough 
there to overcome not being a conference champ. So I would say no. I think I think only one Big Ten team gets there. Well, Brad Edwards with us, College Football Insider at J. Brad Edwards on Twitter. His book, Dynasty by the Numbers, and a longtime college football man at ESPN. Brad, we'll keep you updated on silly season, and uh, <laughs> sooner rather than later, my friend, we'll, we'll have a name here uh, wearing the, uh, the quarter zip uh, for Nebraska. Well, uh, I, I hope you get some resolution soon. You know, with that December signing period now, there's a lot more urgency than there used to be, so hopefully uh, it won't take too much longer. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Brad, you take care, bud. Have a great Thanksgiving. Okay, same to you. Take care. Appreciate it. Good to spend time with Brad Edwards. Good insight on the college football playoff. You got the TCU talk. What happens to the, the number two team with the Big Ten? You've got three really good candidates for the SEC. Tennessee technically has the number one strength to schedule in America with all the Big 12 teams ranked. We'll talk more Husker football. Evan Bland with the World Herald on the way on Hale Varsity. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut preteen Swedish boy. Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. We say hi to Evan Bland with the Omaha World Herald. Ready to talk uh, some coaching search and some Husker football. Evan, how's your uh, midweek doing, bud? Hang in. Dressing up a little warmer these days, but, uh, yeah, doing just fine. So, is there a, is there a target date for you with, with this announcement, or uh, are you just kind of watching the, the, the names swirl? Well, I mean, we've kind of talked about it a little bit before. To me, you got to have somebody in place by the time the transfer portal opens for business December 5th. I think that's that's sort of the the one that you look at and, you know, that 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 gives you some time after the Iowa game to make your announcement and put it out there and um I think the the timing discussion has always been sort of interesting where there's this thought that, okay, does the game ends Friday? Does Nebraska make a decision the following day on Saturday? Or, or do you wait and try to avoid getting that news sort of drowned out in the day of big games and Ohio State, Michigan, and everything else going on? So to me, it still makes the most sense to do it sometime between the end of the season finale at Iowa and that Monday the 5th when things really open up and you have to protect your roster and you start recruiting from other other teams like that, so uh, it, I just I feel like if it was Mickey Joseph, you'd go ahead and make that announcement now and and build some excitement and, and additional momentum for these last two games. Um, you know, if it's if it's somebody who's still coaching a team through the rest of the regular season and potentially on Championship Saturday after that, 
then I think it makes all the more sense to continue to wait here. Um, but that's sort of the, the little, I suppose, stretch that I'm looking at is between the Iowa game and the portal opening. You know, Evan, I think uh, you want bang for buck. I think you get your guy and then you, you make that announcement uh, 9 a.m. Uh, nationally. So it's on game day. It's on big noon. And then you could even do the introductory presser after and, and maybe have whoever it is on site, video conference, in whatever, uh, and, and then kind of own the morning ahead of kickoff. But uh, you, you've also got two undefeated teams for that last, presumably last playoff spot if there's not a, a toe that's stubbed in the Big Ten championship game. So I, I think, you know, from a from a media bang standpoint, I think you could do it Saturday morning. Been a lot of Sunday press conferences <laughs> over the last few years. So uh, that's an option. And where, where are you at? What side of the fence? Trev's got his guy. Trev's still waiting on an answer from a guy. Yeah, it's a really good question because it's been, as we know, very uh, tight-lipped and close to the vest. Uh, I think you can sort of interpret it either way. Um, my, my inclination is that they've got a handful of candidates that they're looking at, but that they have not made a firm decision. I think uh, all the smoke that we've that we've had with Matt Rule and and how he's rumored to have been in Lincoln uh, is interesting. I don't know that anything's finalized there or, or we probably would have heard something at this point um so to, to me and just from from sort of some behind the scenes stuff i, I my sense is that they have a, a limited pool obviously that's something that they've been whittling down travis been whittling down for weeks and months now um but that it's it's not necessarily totally set who exactly that individual is going to be at this time Evan, what do you think uh, the odds are that we're just, we've just all been wrong this entire time? It hasn't been a name that we've floated out there. It's it's not Matt Rule. What do you think? It's the, Sean the Payton. Sean Payton. This is what I'm now, saying. This right? is some cloak and dagger, something like USC pulled off last year where, you know what, they had their guy. They had their guy the entire time. And while the national media may have been surprised and even local media may have been surprised, it, it was something that had been in the works. What, what do you think the chances are of that as, as this coaching search goes on longer and longer? Right. Well, I mean, you know, you don't have to go back too far to see when that's happened at Nebraska with Mike Riley, and that was somebody who wasn't on anybody's radar. So I think if you're looking, if you're Nebraska and you've whittled this thing down to a handful of names, yeah, I think there's a chance that one of those names, maybe two, are guys that we're not openly discussing. But I do think that others are guys who have been candidates from the start, whether that's Lance Leipold, whether that's uh, you know Matt Rule, who wasn't necessarily from the start, but but as he went along, you kind of knew it was trending that way. Um, so I think it's a mix. Uh, again, you, it's it's so hard to say because it's it's Trev Alberts, it's a search firm, it's uh, you know a couple other maybe support apparatuses in place that are helping vet these candidates and. What we can evaluate on the outside is stuff like, is this guy a program builder? Where are his recruiting ties? Um, but there's so much other intangible stuff that I think is going into this thing, whether that's personality, whether that's uh, you know what their approach is to winning in the Big Ten, whether that's if somebody if it's somebody who's out of coaching wants to get back into coaching, or if it's somebody at a program that wants to leave that program right now. I, I think there's a, a sort of a personal side to the thing that you really have to 
do your due diligence on because, you know, Nebraska is a unique place with the expectations, with sort of the the 24-7 nature of it. Um, I I think what, in some ways, what made a good college coach 15 years ago has changed when you talk about the transfer portal and you talk about NIL. Like, there are just some different skill sets beyond uh, X's and O's and, and being sort of a a great play caller. I think that that CEO element of managing people, of having a big picture vision, of being a grinder, those are all things that you can't look up uh, on a stat sheet or in a, in a resume necessarily. You have to get to know the person. You have to talk to people around that individual and figure that out. And I think that maybe has been the best part for Nebraska of having as long of a runway as they've had in this coaching search is, is for Trev and, and associates to really have a deeper understanding um, of what this job requires and then how how well these different candidates are compatible in that way. And Evan, I know it's hard to, to judge right now with this not being a finished product, but thus far, how have you rated Trev Alberts and his job going and performing this coaching search? It's been tight-lipped. He's keeping his cards close to his chest, and, and we don't really know all that much of anything of what's going on, at least inside Trev's head, inside Trev's office. Yeah, in that sense, it's been really impressive. I mean, typically in these situations, you'll see little little hints of things that are going on. Say, you know, hey, Dave Aranda got an extension over here. You know, what's, how, how coincidental is that? But you haven't seen anything like that with, with candidates that have been, um, you know, speculated getting extensions. You haven't seen really much at all from national writers and, and reporters who – uh, are talking to agents and things like that. You, you just haven't seen many of those leaks, which is pretty impressive. I think it speaks to uh, just how few people have been in the loop on this thing. Um, you know, it's. I, I think Trev is being. I think Trev's being thorough, really thorough in this. He's had a lot of time to think about it. You can tell when you talk to him. He has in mind the, the type of candidate that he's wanted. Um, you know, at the same time, I think he would probably say, in hindsight, that that it hasn't been a perfect first year for him as AD. I mean, um, you know, the decision to keep Scott Frost obviously didn't work out. Um, they, they let him go and, and essentially ate $7.5 million when they could have saved that if they had they kept him on for three more weeks this fall. So I think there are some other sort of things along the way that you, um, that you look at, and, and, and maybe that can be something that comes up in discussions later too. But certainly in terms of the search and, and doing your due diligence and talking to people and getting a sense outside of the Nebraska bubble, the challenges and the perks of this job, I think it's been uh, about as strong of an effort as you could hope for. And, and again, I'm going to be uh, really interested to see when this is all over um, what this experience was like for him, what kind of feedback he got from people, and ultimately who they feel like is the guy to lead Nebraska football out of the doldrums here in the 21st century. Evan Bland with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Find him on Twitter at Evan Bland O-W-H. You know, I think there's so many in this state that want Mickey to stay on. We'll see what's best for Mickey and his family. But I think uh, that's very key, Evan. And what what type of percentage would – and I know it depends on the hire, but I'm wondering your gut says what on, on Mickey staying. And, and some of these guys on staff that have done a heck of a job. Right. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. Uh, I feel like there's a pretty decent chance. Uh, you know, if it's a guy like Leipold, for example, um, you know, he when he came on at Kansas, he kept uh, one of their assistants who was sort of their recruiting point man 
um, and, and that's helped in, in their transition. So, you know, that wouldn't be unprecedented if he were to do that. I think there are some coaches, and, and people mention Matt Campbell in this way a lot, some coaches who have their guys and, and that's how it's going to be. But I think there are a lot of other coaches who sort of, you know, you reset, you you draw on some of your connections from other stops that you've been at, and then you look at the institution that you're taking over and say, who are your strongest staffers there that you could potentially retain and and as everybody knows mickey joseph's reputation as a as an elite recruiter and somebody who's built relationships and as a grinder those all speak for themselves i think bill bush is somebody else who you can look at and say you know this guy's an asset whether it's as a coordinator whether that's as a recruiter um whatever it might be on staff so i think you have to consider those guys but you know you, you, i think if you're the new head coach too you have to be comfortable in your own skin you have to be okay with the fact that if you lose a couple games you're probably going to get a couple you know in the minority who say oh what about coach mickey right like you can't you can't be um insecure enough to be looking over your shoulder and saying hey what if what if i don't do well and this guy on staff um you know is somebody that people want so i i think it really does depend on who the head coach is but again you talk about certainly the short-term transition when you are trying to retain players on your roster, you're trying to recruit, um, you know, Mickey Joseph seems like only an asset in that regard. As everybody knows, a number of players on this current roster are here almost exclusively because of their relationship with Mickey Joseph, whether that's Trey Palmer or whoever else. So, um, you know, I I think he's expressed to the World Herald and others uh, a desire to stay in some capacity. This isn't his alma mater. He's put in a lot of work here. Um, But again, as you said, it's going to depend on who that hire is and how comfortable they feel retaining somebody who's already here versus bringing in somebody that they've known previously. Evan Bland is with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And Evan, about 30 seconds left here. Last thought, Nebraska, Wisconsin on Saturday. If you had to get a bet in today, is Casey Thompson going to be behind center on Saturday? I would say they're going to give it a go. Yeah, I, I think he'll be out there in some fashion. I don't know how the weather sort of holds up with his hand, uh, if he takes a hit, whatnot. But I do think the way that it's trended with him practicing this week and the way that he's been able to recover here for the last couple, um, that, they, that they'll try to put him out there. As we said, they haven't beaten Wisconsin in 10 years, spanning eight games. It's the seniors' last home game. It's the last chance to build momentum. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons to, to go ahead and give it a go, uh, and I think he's, he's game to give it a shot. Evan Bland with us. Evan, we'll see you on Senior Day. Thanks for the time today. Thanks, guys. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio. It's time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. Dr. Ben, how's your fall been? Thanks for the time. Hey, great. Uh, it's been good thus far, just trying to get acclimated to this cold weather. Brother, I, I have n- uh, nothing for you other than uh, Gore-Tex, I guess. Gore-Tex and electric socks uh, for all the hunters out there and those who are trying to go warrior up on Saturdays and Sundays on the football field. One of the, 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 the bright stars of the NFL Cooper Cup is done. He's on IR. And, Dr. Ben, tell us a little bit here about the decision and the severity of a, of a high ankle sprain. It's so bad, you've got to undergo surgery. 
Yeah, you know, ankle sprains we've talked about in the past, they come in kind of all varieties. You can have mild, moderate, and then, you know, getting up to the severe category. Generally, these don't require surgery. If you have the good old-fashioned ankle sprain that often all of us have had, um, you know, you really do the rice therapy, the rest, ice, compression, elevation, and eventually it'll get better with time. The problem is, is once these ankle sprains become more severe and you delve into the high ankle sprain category where higher up into the ankle the ligaments can tear is that those often don't resolve just with the traditional rice therapy and so oftentimes surgery will actually be indicated to stabilize the ankle um, to get it to scar in and heal and that sounds like what Connor's had mm. or Cooper I'm sorry let, let, let's tell me about the procedure you guys have to execute and, and that is that tightrope procedure yeah so it's kind of a newer way to treat these high ankle sprains in the past before the advent of the um, surgeons were basically inclined to use screws to put a co- across the tibia which is the shin bone and the fibula which is the side of the shin bone and so the screws would hold those bones into place while the ligaments would heal and so the problem with that is that you got to go back for a second surgery. The screws are very fixed, and they can break, and they can be problematic later on. The nice thing about this tightrope is this very strong stitch or suture um, that a lot of people say that you could actually hold your own body weight if you're holding yourself um, from something above you, and it will not break. And so you put this across the shin bone and the fibula, and it will actually kind of redemonstrate kind of that physiologic movement between the two bones, but at the same time hold them together. It's actually amazing technology. So tell me, Dr. Ben, whenever you're actually looking at a high ankle sprain, I've understood the low ankle sprains or traditional ankle sprains for a while. I had those growing up a lot, and and it's always kind of made sense to me, but I've never quite figured out, like, there's not a joint in your high ankle. How does an ankle sprain in that location, well, what's actually happening physiologically underneath the skin to to tear those ligaments and, and cause you all that pain? Absolutely, yeah. So when you have a low ankle sprain or the traditional ankle sprain, those ligaments that they're really talking about are down kind of, you know, in that mid-ankle region. And high doesn't necessarily mean up by the knee or even in the middle of the calf. High just means above those ligaments. And so it's right above the ankle joint. There's a set of series, or there's a series of kind of strong ankle ligaments. And so when you have this massive force and twist your ankle, the forces go up from kind of the lower portion of the ankle and go up between the shin bone and the fibula, and it will actually tear that ligament in between it. And there's actually... Um, there's actually this membrane between the two, between the two bones, and it's almost just like taking a scissor across it, and it just cuts it, and basically tears it as it goes up that high ankle area. And so the problem is, is that can heal if you don't get that to basically scar in and heal. So that's why, in the past, they've used screws, or now with a tightrope, it holds those bones together so that ligament will basically scar in and heal. Dr. Ben Woodhead is with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. A jock doc Wednesday. We're talking about Cooper Cup. Stand out for the Rams. What a season it's been for the Rams comparatively to a year ago with their Super Bowl run. And uh, Cup on the IR with that high ankle sprain surgery. What about recovery and good as new or still some lingering effects from this procedure? 
you know, you can always have lingering effects after a procedure, and that's somewhat of the wild card when you have surgery. But the whole goal for actually fixing this is that they're going to recover quicker, more predictable, and you can rehab them quicker if you don't do surgery. And so there's going to be a period of where he's going to be non-weight bearing. He's not going to push any type of um, true strength or anything like that. Usually it will take six weeks for that membrane and ligament area to heal and scar in. Um, and then he will progress with his weight bearing, eventually get the strengthening probably around a few months um, out from the surgery. Do you have stiffness potentially, or can you return to, to your normal dexterity, flexibility? And I'm just thinking a cup in that slot, how good he's been cutting on a dime. Yeah, so you're certainly going to have some stiffness after this procedure, but that's also what you're going for in the sense that when that area becomes stiff, then you certainly have proof that there's been some healing. And so you'd certainly want some stiffness with it. But after the surgery, they'll certainly get him into physical therapy. He won't be doing any strengthening or anything of that nature, but he will certainly be working on movement probably right out of the gate. It will just be movement against gravity or kind of in air. And so it won't be against any resistance or any strengthening type. Now, Dr. Ben, you mentioned the fact that this is usually – at minimum, a six-week recovery time. And as I look at the NFL season, we're seven weeks away from the end of the regular season, and I don't want to take this to a fantasy perspective, but I'm going to do it for fantasy football. I mean, playoffs are usually wrapping up week 16, week 17. That's the end of the season. Is this something where, you know what, you're not expecting Cooper Cup to be back until playoffs for the Rams if it comes to that? I mean, they're not in a playoff spot right now, so I guess that's no guarantee. But is that the kind of timetable you're looking at here, potentially back in time for playoffs? You know, that's going to be hard to say. Um, I would expect for sure that he's going to be out a few months before he can actually start doing any type of sprinting or cutting safely. And so um, I would imagine that they will keep him off completely just so they don't jeopardize any further injury to that after surgically it's repaired. So we're saying here safely drop him from the fantasy team? (laughs) I would if he were on my fantasy team. Okay, okay. Man, that hurts. <laughs> you on your team? I know. No, right? I, no, I've had him for years. We're in a dynasty league, but you know he's a guy that has always been pretty good. But she never kept. Didn't keep him last year. And uh, Junior let me know what kind of an idiot owner I am. So. <laughs> Mir- miracles can happen, Chris. Maybe you will buy odds and be back. Well, as long as it's not facing me in the playoffs, uh, pretty good. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us, uh, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. A jock doc Wednesday, Cooper Cup, our topic, that high ankle sprain surgery. And, and Dr. Ben, last thought here before we let you go. Just in terms of what position he plays on a football field, wide receiver, is this limiting in terms of him coming back at full strength with all the, the running and the cutting that's involved with that position as opposed to, say, uh, an offensive lineman? Yeah, so in the early phases, that's certainly a concern. But I think with today's technology and this advent of the tightrope procedure, he should be back at 100%. The biggest question is just when the timing on that is going to be. But I think if you plan on for having him next year, don't get rid of him on your dynasty team. I think he'll be back and he'll be in full force. Dr. Ben, enjoy your weekend. And if we don't talk, have a great Thanksgiving. Absolutely. You guys as well. Good stuff from Dr. Ben Woodhead, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. We'll wind down a Wednesday on Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. 
miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency, get buckled up. Using your seatbelt saves lives, prevents injuries only if properly worn. Remember to buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Uh, Bill Bush, some NIL love here for our, um, his friends that help you eat good in the neighborhood. Love Applebee's. Like uh, I love Applebee's and Chili's. I like both of them. I told you I have a deal with my with players. When I, when I have a certain group of players that I talk about all the time. I'm like, he's an Applebee's guy. What's that mean? That means if I see him five years from now, I'll buy him the right side of the menu. He gets take two, he can take two uh, two desserts home. Two. <laughs> I love that. Two desserts home. Oh, I love that. I love that. You an Applebee's guy? You know what, dude? Like back in the day, and my dad would get a wild hair and. We'd meet sometimes Mondays for their wing because you'd do like their their um, their their appetizer menu, the, the, the half price app. Yeah, because you could still do this. That kind of sounds good right now, actually. Do I go work out or I do go? Do I go pig out? But you know, we we'd do that when we kind of live closer to there. Yeah, no, I don't hate it. I think it's. I mean, the wings weren't bad. It's great. If you ever close down an Applebee's, you're not living. Oh, I have. <laughs> yeah, you got to close down the Applebee's because then. I My think... wife was actually asked to leave. Really? Uh-huh. From an Applebee's? Oh yeah. That's a. You have to really cross a line to get kicked out of Applebee's. <laughs> no, but she did. It was okay. Okay. Well, the the I think they've since done away with the uh, the two dollar drink of the month, <clears throat> where they'd use whatever bottom shelf stuff they need to get rid of and turn it into a drink for the month, and uh-huh. it's two dollars. Those used to the, the two dollar Long Island iced tea month used to be. Uh, uh, a tried and true for Elijah. Because <laughs> <laughs> then you can pair it up with some half-price appetizers. You're talking like, man, I'll get, yeah, sure, I'll get Just, some, some chips and salsa for you, $2. You are going to get rocked the next morning, but it's going to feel good and taste good at the time. Yeah, and then like 11 o'clock rolls around and they go, it's you know time what, to you close. Know what? You know what? I think I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to audible on the workout. I can always work out tomorrow. Let's go to Applebee's. <laughs> Dude, I know they still, for a fact, have like the uh, the big old Pabst that they sell. Oh, yeah, because that was the cheapest beer. I get a, a PBR, absolutely. I think they have like the, the 25 ounces for like still $2 on dollars or oh, something no, like I that. Know, I know you do. This, I mean, this whole segment just turning into a free advertising for Applebee's. Well, so. to their credit, uh, they there was about a two-year span where we were there. We were there on Monday nights, and we were there on Friday nights. I do during know, the during the Riley era. I do know Monday nights they still have the burger deal. I've I've hit that recently where it's any burger on their menu plus fries and a drink for like six ninety nine. Brother, I uh, they had just built the Applebee's, all right, on Fortieth and Old Cheney and Lincoln, mm-hmm. and there was new turf down, and I was learning how to drive, and my CD case fell, so I went to pick it up, and I'm pretty sure I torched their their new side <laughs> right when it went in. This is like forever ago. Uh. <laughs> My grandfather was riding with me, and he was not a man that swore, and he swore then. <laughs> JC, what the hell are you doing? Just to laugh about it. There's a brand new Jeep Cherokee, and there's grass all over it. And he looks at me, he's like, sorry, I swore. We're not going to tell your folks about this. <laughs> Get home, Dad's inspecting the vehicle. Why is there grass on my new Jeep? Don't know. 
<laughs> Grandpa's like, no, don't, don't say a word. <laughs> Omerta, Omerta. Back at you tomorrow for uh, Coach Barnett, Jeremiah Searles, Brandon Vogel on Hale Varsity. A Huda Media Production.